0: Welcome to the Holistic High Performance Podcast with your host, Daniel Christopherson.
1: So I want to welcome onto my show, Whitney Rowe. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us, Whitney.
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah. So you are a Canadian track athlete aiming for the Olympics this year. So tell me a little bit about kind of how you got started in track and what that was like for you.
0: So my journey was a little different, um, I guess, from the average, I guess, track athlete's journey in the sense that I didn't start track young. Um, I'm actually a dancer. So I was in dance for anything from tap to acrobatics to ballet to anything, stage, musical theater, everything. Um, So I did that actually until I was 18. And then at about 16, 15, 16, I started to realize that. If I wanted to go to college and I wanted to go to college in the US, keep in mind, I was living in Canada at the time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get a scholarship for dance. So track was kind of I was just naturally fast. I ended up hooking up with a really good coach, um, former Canadian gold medalist. And we, you know, worked together and had to take a year off um, actually from high school to college, I had to take a year off because um, they didn't recognize the courses that I took in Canada. Um, So that was a little setback, but I was able to, you know, get a scholarship and go to school in Colorado. So I fulfilled that dream, but I only ran two years of high school track. And then when I went to college, that's where it kind of, you know, started to take off and I started finding the love for it. And I did four years in division two in college. And out of college, once again, just networking with people, um, I ended up in Seattle and I met a coach there and I trained and that's where I kind of started like my post-collegiate professional career was in Seattle. And now that's where I, we met. Yes. And that is exactly where we met. <laughs> so you came and, in for
1: some body work and yes, uh, we did that. For and...
0: the, three, the whole three years that I was in Seattle, yeah. um, I came and saw you, I think within the first couple months that I was in Seattle. I was in your office, which was yeah, awesome. So and then I signed a contract, a professional contract in Seattle with a brand. And that was kind of like the kickoff of my professional career.
1: Right. And, and, and then <laughs> so yeah, tell us a little bit about where you where you've landed now.
0: Yeah. So now I've kind of planted my roots in New Jersey. So moved on, um transitioned to another coach and got a pretty cool opportunity here to help coach at Princeton with some of the men's team and just help volunteer and kind of do trade-off. Unfortunately, because of COVID, that's not happening now. Yeah. So I'm with a new coach here and it's been going great. This is my third year out here now. So trying to make this Olympic team for sure. 2021, we're going to retry and do it. (laughs) So yeah.
1: I want to come back to that, but I want to back up a little bit. So sure. you spent your whole youth dancing.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Very different than the track world. Yeah. yeah. So how was that transition for you of leaving that behind? Because it sounds like you wanted to do a career in that, but just the economics of things, of paying for college, being able to go to college in the States kind of impacted that. And so some choices had to be made.
0: Yeah, it was. I think the hardest thing for me at that age was me feeling like I was going to lose my friends. Because keep in mind, a lot of those girls I had known, I had known one of them since I was two. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had, in a sense, grown up together. So I was really, I was more afraid to lose my friends. The flame for dance kind of had died out at that point. Um, I had lived through it. I was on the dance team all through high school. So I got to do what I felt I could do with dance. I got to travel all across Canada and do a tour. Like we got to do so many amazing things that at that point in my life, I was kind of like, all right, track was kind of like this new, exciting thing. And, you know, when you're first starting out, you're almost PRing every meet. And I mean, who doesn't like PRing every meet, you know, that's kind of the goal. So it it was new and exciting for me. And it was kind of like a new challenge and I really liked it because it was an individual sport and dance is very much a team sport in the sense that, you know, you have to be synchronized, you you know, you're working together, which is great, but I was definitely ready to kind of do my own thing. And that was what I was able to do on the track.
1: So it's interesting because you talk about like you were worried about losing your friends because yes. you'd been a part of this big, strong community. And of that course. that's important at that age. I yes. mean, <laughs> of, you know, fitting in and being part of that. But then there's yeah. also this individuation process that you kind of yeah. went through of like, oh, hey, I love you guys and I want to be part of you. But then I'm also going to go off and do this whole individual thing.
0: Yep, completely. And it was and it had always been in my mind of I was going to live in the United States. Like that was from, you can ask my mom, like from the time I was little, I was like, I'm moving to the U.S. i S I'm move, like, and I don't know why I just always like, I'm moving to the U S and that was kind of just, you know, I kind of had to take those steps. And I realized that those weren't like my friend's goals. Like they're all, I'm still in touch with them and, you know, and they all have like families and stuff now in Canada and stuff, but that wasn't their goal. And yeah, yeah. it was at that age that I was kind of like realizing like, oh, we can have separate goals and, you know, go separate ways, but still at the end of the day, like we're still together. So yeah, it was definitely a big learning curve for me.
1: <laughs> well, and there's some big choice points. I mean, those are big, sure. yep. big changes that, you know, you, you could have gone one way and, you know, ended up staying in Canada or you, you, you chose your own path.
0: For sure. Yep. And I'm so happy I did.
1: (laughs) How is it balancing track and dance in those last couple of years in high school and school and everything else? I mean, that's a lot Um, to juggle.
0: Oh, for sure. I had to definitely, I took a full step back from dance. So I was dancing like about five times a week. So it kind of, I flip flopped. So I went from dancing full-time to training full-time. And I was only dancing and going into the studio like once a week at most, I think twice. And my dance instructors, they knew that I was, you know, pursuing, you know, a different dream at that time. And they knew that I really wanted to graduate from the company. Um, And that was the main reason that, like, I stayed. So they were a big support in the sense that, like, they understood that I was trying to chase something and achieve something else. But... It was hard in high school because when you're a senior, and keep in mind, this was in 2010. That was also the year that Vancouver hosted the Olympics. So I was dancing, running track, graduating high school, working. I worked at Champs (laughs) (laughs) selling shoes and I worked like downtown. And then I was trying to enjoy the Olympics. So it was a lot going on in that year, but I think that also prepared me for when I got to college because time management wasn't a problem for me when I did get to college. It was an adjustment, but I didn't struggle as bad because I was so used to having to balance so many things.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, tell us about your college career. So you said you took a year off between high school and college.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't my choice. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> didn't take the right math classes. Um, okay. The NCAA only recognized that I took math in the ninth grade. I took math all the way until my 12th grade, um, Mm -hmm. but they didn't recognize the course. So I had to actually go back to high school and upgrade those courses, which only made me eligible to go division two, which I mean, blessing in disguise, it worked out. I got a scholarship to go run in Colorado um, at Colorado Macy university. And the program was like definitely in the early years when I had gotten there. Um, But it was awesome. I excelled there. I learned a lot about myself. My coach was, amazing. And my highest placing that I got was at third. So I was third in the nation in the 200 meter indoor my senior year, which was just amazing to cap my season off like that. And actually like my favorite track memories, definitely from college was winning my first all American title because it was just something I had like, wanted to do. Um, uh-huh. And it was the newspaper at the school put out like this caption. It was like, Oh, Canada, thanks for the all American. And it was like the funniest thing ever. And my mom like still has it framed, but like, that was like <laughs> the sole like definitely still the highlight of my career just because that was I mean, the only other thing you could get, do was become national champion, but I went ranked in 26. I was the last person to make it to the nationals and I got seventh that year. That was my, I believe my sophomore junior year. It was awesome. But yeah, college was fun. <laughs> college was really fun. And now
1: you majored in... Psychology, psychology. Yep. with an and, emphasis uh, in sports psychology, then, or did that um, no. come later?
0: So originally, I was uh, majoring in psychology with an emphasis in counseling psychology, but I couldn't do the internship and in the required hours because of track. Because you have to do your internship in the spring, and that is also track's track biggest season. <laughs> season. Um, and so track
1: seasons I, all year long. So. Pretty much.
0: Pretty much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you got you train all fall. You've got indoor season. Yep. And, and then that goes right into the outdoor, and then you're in. Then you're competing.
0: And I couldn't, and I couldn't commit to it. And I didn't want to commit to something and then not graduate with the right credits and blah, blah, blah. So I dropped the emphasis and I just, I got my degree in psychology. But while I was in college, we took a sports psychology class and uh, my professor, Dr. Jones was actually a sports psychologist. So I was seeing him doing, you know, like learning things and sitting in on some of his sessions with some of the teams and stuff. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, this is what I have to do. Like I just, I, I fell in love with it. So yeah, that's definitely something that I want to pursue after I'm done track.
1: So how did that psychology aspect impact you as an athlete?
0: I've definitely become more patient with myself. Um, I'm very hard on myself, but I've definitely taken a step back and like understood like the psychological aspect of it. Like being hard on myself and like calling myself names and stuff like that. That's not going to push myself to get better. Um, Positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. (laughs) is a lot more rewarding and just learning how to respond to things and learning how to respond to myself better, learning how to respond to different situations because anything, and everything can change hence 2020 and just learning a more positive mindset for sure. And that's, and it's definitely, I've grown with it too. It wasn't just like, right away, as the years have gone, and I've learned more about myself. It's definitely helped me learn more about myself at the same time.
1: Yeah. So some of it's just that natural maturation process and yeah. you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And we look back and yeah. <laughs> um, that mindset of kind of putting yourself down and telling yourself names, was that externally imposed on you? What is that internal? Was that just your drive to have you be better?
0: I think that was more of like my drive and my vision in my head what it took to be like, oh, like you got to be able to handle everything. Like if you can't do it, like you're weak, come on. Like, and I think that was just like an internal thing of just like you have to be able to do it. You have to be able to do it. You have to be able to do it now. And like realizing that things don't happen overnight, (laughs) you know, you got it. You got to set little goals to get to the big goal. And that's like with literally everything in life. So just learning. Just to be a little bit like, like I said, more patient with myself and nicer to myself. <laughs> the way I would talk to an athlete I'm training has to be the way that I would talk to myself. You can't, you can't change that. That self love like can't just go out the window. So,
1: college, you kind of got a taste of what it was like to be on the podium. Uh, yeah. you, you used track as a way to get you to the states and do that, and then kind of what happened after college? I mean, did you tend to have a pro career in track? Was that just so
0: the year? So I graduated college in 2015, 2016 was the year of the Olympics. So I definitely was like, I'm running another year. And I didn't really know kind of where it was going to take me. I was kind of like, you know, let's, you know, see what happens.
1: So you were hoping to qualify for the 2016 Olympics?
0: For sure. Yeah. Okay. So that was definitely the goal. Um, So I moved to Seattle. I actually became a U.S. citizen in 2016 as well. Um, So I was able to like legally live there um, because my visa from school was, you know, about to expire as soon as I graduated. So yeah, I, you know, trained in Seattle. I had a really successful year. Um, I got invited to train um, with the relay team and stuff that year. And that was the first year I kind of got like a taste of, being on a national team and getting the
1: Canadian teams. relay team.
0: Yep. That was
1: done um, in Florida.
0: Yeah. So we did um, quite a few training camps. We did uh, Florida, Baton Rouge, and where else? Or maybe those were just the two we did that year. I didn't make the team, unfortunately, that year, but I got fifth in the 200. So I am coming for my redemption next year um, to make that top three and to get that qualifying time for sure. But yeah. So when I moved to Seattle, Seattle was awesome. Um, Seattle was like definitely like learning. And it was a big adjustment because in college, everything's done for you. The workouts are, you know, done, you know, where the training room is, you know, where to get treatment, you know, what to do. People kind of just tell you what to do. Um, so first year out, it was kind of like, you know, finding the resources, getting a job, figuring out like how to pay for things and the financial hit of being like...
1: Adulting. adulting,
0: Yeah. Adulting and like trying to chase your dreams. And, you know, I say it's like a professional career, but at this you know, same time I wasn't making any money from it income. So
1: it was um, an expense for you.
0: Yeah. It was you were professionally
1: paying for it.
0: Yeah. It was a very, (laughs) very expensive expense. Um and still is to this day. But sometimes, you know, I just think of it more as an investment. Like it's Mm -hmm. track is taking me so many different places. It's paid my education that it's it's an investment into myself. So as much as It sucks. I work full time still to this day, serving and bartending, but you know, it's going to pay off. (laughs) I know it's going to pay off and I know it'll pay off and that's why I keep doing it. But I think that's just kind of like with anything in life, you you want something, you have to work for it. So it's not going to.
1: How does working full time, you know, that financial stress of, because it it, is a big commitment, you're paying for your coaching, you're paying for, you know, time in the gym, you're paying for body work and all the stuff you have to do to maintain yourselves, your vitamins, all of those different aspects. How does that impact your training?
0: Definitely. It's hard because... I have to work to pay for my training, but at the same time, work hinders my training because I'm on my feet all day. So like I'll average, you know, 16,000 steps on like a slow day at work. And that's after coming from a full workout. So in the sense, I have to get more body work because mm-hmm. I'm on my feet more, but more body work requires more money, which requires me to work more. So it's just, it's a forever cycle. Hamster <laughs> um, wheel. You know, and I've invested a lot on getting like my own stuff. So I've gotten, you know, the uh, balloon compression, air relax boots, normal tech, whatever you want to call them. You know, I got those Um, learning different ways, like roll myself out, got a Hypervolt, Epsom salt bass, roller. Like I've just really tried on like investing in stuff that I can do at home um, and like eating right and staying hydrated, stuff like that. Taking my supplements all that stuff, just to make sure that like, I'm doing everything possible, (laughs) you know, because at the same time, if, you know, if I'm out here for track, I can't let work completely hinder track because then what was the point of me being out here? But yeah.
1: What do you notice with all the self-care? I mean, it takes discipline. It takes something that you have to do on a regular basis. Yeah. Have there been times when you've not done it and have you noticed a difference?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. When I stop my, I, I feel it almost instantly. I'm, I'm not old, but I'm old in the sport or older in the sport. So my body just doesn't respond as well. It doesn't recover as well. Um, So I'll feel it and I can feel it laying in bed. I can feel it after practice sitting in a car, everything just gets tight, you know? And then Mm -hmm. if I go and sit on the couch, everything's just getting tighter. So it's like just, and it can be literally as simple as like, laying on the ground and watching TV and just stretching while I'm watching TV and just realizing that, all right, if I can watch an hour long Netflix show, I can stretch during that hour long Netflix show. So it's just, like I said, coming back to it being an investment for myself and I don't want to waste my own time. So (laughs) if I can do stuff to make myself better, I have to do it. And It's definitely discipline for sure, because, you know, we didn't have an entire competition season last year, but we still have to train as if we were competing and staying motivated has been very hard, but setting like smaller goals for myself instead of just focusing on, oh, the Olympics, well, they just got postponed a year. So now let's set up, you know, more goals to like stay motivated leading up to that.
1: So what kind of goals have you set?
0: So say like in the weight room, like I have goals that I like, I want to lift this by, you know, this state and this by this state. Um, I have a stretch that I've really been trying to do to like get one of my hips unlocked. So it's like, you know, by the end of the year, I want to be able to have, be able to fully do this pose and this stretch and stuff that I'm going to see the return on that maybe, you know, other people aren't going to see that return on, but like, it's for me. So a lot of it's been like just learning like new stretches and being able to hold new stretches um, because that's a very big weak point for me. It's like, I'm not very flexible. So I've just really wanted to like work on that. My water intake, for instance, like I was like, all right, this week, like I need to drink, this many water bottles. And if I do, I'm buying myself a new water bottle. And then I bought myself a new water bottle. So I was motivated to use that water bottle. So just like little things that I know that get me excited and, you know, maybe cheesy to other people, but motivate myself have been like a really big motivator for me. And that's Mm -hmm. like, what's been keeping me going. So yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you ever let yourself just break down and kind of,
0: of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, we just were, we actually just started backup training. So, you know, I'm a little bit more motivated and, you know, we just finished our second week. We're going into our third, but we had eight weeks off. I did not touch a track for eight weeks. I did not look at a track. I tried to avoid all conversation about track. I did start lifting because, you know, I had to still, you know, do something physical. Um, but I completely stepped away from the track. I have to completely take a mental break because if I don't, I'll burn myself out mentally. And we have down weeks, and you know, during those down weeks, we fully, you know, we just relax. I'm not every time. Go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on go all the time. Sundays are definitely my days where I don't work. Sundays are my only days actually where I don't work or have training. So I usually take those days to just do something that like I love to do. <laughs> So, and that's usually, if I usually get one of those days a week, I'm usually pretty good. You can find out more about the Holistic High Performance and sign up for our monthly newsletter at holistichighperformance.com. That's holistichighperformance.com.
1: So the focus is on the Olympics and going there in 2021 as part of the Canadian team. Do you see your career continuing beyond that or what what are you thinking? Where are you at with
0: that? So I struggle a lot with this because I don't want to call something before it happens and say, you know, this is my last year, um, my last lap around the track but I'm definitely starting to realize that I do have other interests that I want to explore. And I've definitely started to like open my eyes and start networking a little bit Um, and just trying to figure out like where I have other passions and stuff because, you know, this isn't going to last me forever, but you know, the focus definitely is on 2021. And I think after I make that Olympic team and run in the Olympics, we'll figure out where we're going to go from there. But as of right now, we're kind of just, waiting for that door to open. Yeah, exactly. Getting on that team and, and running, you know, fulfilling that dream. And if we want to keep going, we'll keep going. And if you know that dream's fulfilled and you know, we're happy about it, you know, we can explore other things, but right now we're just focused on those rings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So track has taken a lot of focus. I mean, you've spent the end of your high school there all of college, you know, all of your adult life up and out in track. Um, yeah. One of the things you mentioned, the, one of the benefits of this kind of COVID period is that you are starting to explore some new things and yeah. find some balance in your life. Tell me about that. What is that like to have other options?
0: Um, so it's been cool. Like I've just definitely like hobbies wise, like I've been trying to get into like art a little bit more, like touch into like my artistic side. Um, and that's just more of like a self-passion that I kind of just, you know, just kind of explored and, you know, it's just a nice stress relief, but I've definitely explored more of just like what I want to do after track, you know, maybe different organizations. Um, I know that like the year that I do retire that next year, I probably am just gonna not commit to anything and just kind of have fun, um, Mm -hmm. for at least a year just cause you know, why not? And then I'll probably settle down working like with kids. That's definitely where my passion lies. Um, always has been. I don't know what exact avenue it'll probably be with sports, but yeah, I know working with kids and some type of physical activity will definitely be where I end up for sure.
1: Very nice. What trends or struggles are you seeing kind of in the community, I guess, would be my question, or kind of in the track world? Or is there anything that really relevant that you're noticing with other people or that you want to speak to?
0: I think like, just like the motivation factor, staying motivated right now has just been motivated and positive (laughs) because it just, it kind of just is like, there's no, I guess, in the sense, like end in sight, um, right now. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people because it's kind of like, what am I working towards? You know, when am I going to get some return on this work? And I think just like, like I said, just finding like those mini goals for yourself is just like so important right now. And just like trying to stay positive and just like be kind to people, I just noticed that a lot at work, not even like on the track, um, because the track, I mean, it's really limited to like, you know, my training partners and I, and we get along really well. And you know, that's definitely one of like my positive environments that i love to be in. Um, but being at work, you can just definitely see like people are stressed out, you know, and once people do get out they're really they're like able to like decompress. And it's just like, go out and like, just get outside. Like I know it's wintertime and stuff like that, but, or, you know, it's starting to get cold, but it's like, I just feel like people are so, I'm, this might sound bad because I know like coronavirus, but like, you got to get out. You can't, you can't be inside, you you know, and that's yeah. like going in your backyard, you know, you, you got to do something. I feel like people are just getting so stir crazy and it's so hard because it gets dark at four o'clock now. And it's just like, I've just been really trying to just get outside. Even if that means waking up an hour earlier, so you can get an hour extra of daylight and, you know, get outside. It's like, I don't know. I've just, I just been very big on like advocating people, like just get outside, be positive. Like it's just a scary time for people, I think. So it's, it's just, definitely There's a lot of
1: stress I, out there in the world. It, then. It,
0: exactly. And it's, and a lot of times people don't know how to handle this stress because I mean, most of us have never been through a pandemic before, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's really hard for people to learn to like adjust and, you know, change their way of life. And yeah, just trying to stay as positive and kind to people as possible, I think is just something that I just want out there because there's so much we can focus on that's negative, but it's just, there's also so much we can focus on that's positive. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt just to focus on the positive <laughs> positives of life. If you can <laughs> yeah.
1: So you mentioned the kind of the individual nature of the sport, but then you've also mentioned your coach and your team. So tell me how much that community is means to you now, or kind of how you guys support one another. My
0: coach, he's amazing. He has been like, he's been such a support system for me just from, I mean, moving up to New Jersey, I don't have family in the state of Jersey. I do have family in Pennsylvania, Um, but I didn't have friends out here, you know, and he's just really taking me under his wing and just like, been patient with me because it was a completely new program that I was entering into and very hard. It was a very hard adjustment for me. So he was very patient with me, um, very supporting. He welcomed me into his family with open arms. My training partners are hilarious. Um, They push me every single day. Um, They never let me slack off. They're, I mean, they're an inspiration to me in itself. So, you know, having training partners that I can like look up to and that push me every day is definitely a benefit that I'm grateful for because <laughs> not a lot of people have that. And we we all get along really, really well. We probably joke too much at practice, but it's definitely a place that I know that I can go and I'm always happy to go. I love going to practice, I love seeing my training partners. Um, fall training sucks, but other than that, <laughs> I love going and seeing them. <laughs>
1: Those not in the track world. Why don't you explain a little bit about what track training really looks like as a sprinter?
0: <laughs> so, so, right now, we train as 400 meter runners and not as 100 and 200 meter runners. Mm-hmm. So, we have a lot of hills, a lot of stadiums, a lot of like 200s and So, by
1: stadiums, you mean stairs going up and yep. down?
0: Yeah. Jumping running. and running yep. and plios, jumping, lifting really heavy for a lot of reps. It's just this is the time where we get our strongest, um, we get our most powerful. So this is just the hardest part of the season for a sprinter because we like short, explosive, quick stuff. And this is everything but that right now.
1: Less so, recovery time. Yes. More intensity.
0: Yes. Muscles hate us. Um, long runs. Everything a sprinter doesn't like is pretty much what we're doing right now. But um, And
1: that usually starts in September and goes through...
0: Yeah, so this so this year we started a little later because we carried our season out or training season out longer as if we were at the Olympics just to try and stay on track. Um so we didn't actually start until November physically okay. working out, um like running and stuff, but we started back lifting in September. So I've been okay. lifting since September just to keep that power and strength up. Um but we kind of let our bodies fully rest from the track because we needed it.
1: And then that'll go into more of a technical kind of aspect of training. Yeah.
0: So once, yeah. So once we kind of get through like this base season, we'll probably go to like speed endurance and then we'll go back down to speed and just focus like strictly on speed come like the outdoor season and heading into trials and stuff like that. If we, hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> have a season. Um, yeah. So that'll kind of like be the focus for sure. But right now it's just on getting as fit and strong and powerful as we can.
1: Great. I think that's pretty good. How are you feeling? Anything, I else, feel you, great. anything else you want to chat about anything? Else? Um,
0: ooh, actually a piece that I would think would play really well to add in maybe just about, um, just about like the staying positive and stuff is is like investing yourself in the sense of getting body work, getting massage, because I understand yes, there is COVID and stuff right now, but those businesses are also probably the cleanest places right now because they care so much about their clients and their well-being. And I think investing into getting any type of body work done, even if it's like once a month, just pamper yourself because your body. Is your vessel. <laughs> and if you don't take care of it, it's going to shut down eventually. And even though, like, you can be as positive as you want up here, your body your also, head. yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> I was grabbing my hair and shaking my head. <laughs> um, you have to take care of, you know, take care of your body, get that adjustment, you know, like, And sometimes, you know, when you're feeling a little off, your body might be a little off and, you know, that's what, you know, like you specialize in. I, I remember leaving your office, like, you know, I was standing two inches taller, you know, you could see the before and after photos. And it was just, you know, every time I left, I felt better, you know, the endorphins were going and that wasn't anything in physical, you know, I got those positive endorphins from, in a sense, just laying on your table and letting you do what you do. And you've studied years of it and you know how to, you know, reset the body. And I think that's just so important for people to invest in themselves. Because, I mean, you get an oil change on your car every 3,000 miles. Why aren't you getting an adjustment or body work or massage or, you know, anything every 3,000 miles? It's the same thing. So that investment in into yourself is another area besides, you know, just you know being positive, getting outside, allow other people to help you because I think that's a, a big step for people so people don't know how to ask for help. And
1: you struggled with that one a little bit if I recall. Oh.
0: Yeah, I always do. <laughs> you know, and you know and because that to me I w- I always felt like oh if you know you ask for help it's a sign of weakness. No, that's a sign of strength because you're able to realize that all right, you know, this may be a weakness that I need help in and I'm going to ask for help from somebody who, you know, that may be a strength from them. And that just comes with building your team and that's just going to build you up and having more of a support system. So definitely, yeah.
1: So what does your support team look like now? Um, I know you mentioned that you've invested in a lot of equipment to yes. help yourself out personally, just so you know you make those one-time investments and then you get you know return and rewards there. But what does the rest of your support team look like?
0: So my coach and my training partners are a very big part of my support team. I rely on them a lot because I'm with them a lot. So I definitely try and keep like-minded people around me because I think that's a big way of staying motivated and staying, sticking to your goals is when other people are also working towards those goals. I have a chiropractor. I have a massage. We have sports psych. We have our assistant. We have quite a few like assistant coaches, but we have um, different assistant coaches from like different sports as well. So they can kind of bring in their expertise. And then my family and friends, our big support system as well. And, you know, your support system doesn't have to be 20 million people. Your support system could literally be two people or it could be one Mm -hmm. person, but just making sure you have that right support system there is, is huge. So I would probably say my support system that like my inner strong support system is probably, I would say about like six or seven people that I rely on pretty strongly to, you know, from day to day, keep me going through the days and stuff like that.
1: So while it's an individual sport, you, you still have a team.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely have like that outside support because, outside positive reinforcement is huge as well. You know, you want to make sure that you have that positive reinforcement behind you. So yeah, having them there, it's been awesome.
1: (laughs) So have you kept in contact with other athletes that you've trained with over the years?
0: Yes, of course. Honestly, I would say almost like all of my training partners, uh, besides, you know, like some college teammates and stuff, but almost everyone I've kept in contact with. That's just a part of the sport, you know, networking, getting to like meet new people. And, um, you know, I've met some of my best friends in the sport. So it's been, yeah, it's been awesome.
1: (laughs) So that dance community that you were so worried about leaving, you found a new community with the track world. And
0: And I still was able to keep that community with my dance community. You know, we're not... We don't talk every day and we're not best friends, but, you know, I get to see, you know, some of the kids now that I'm like getting to like watch and like grow up over social media and stuff. So it's really cool to definitely get to like see that and get to like witness that. So, yeah. Great. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been a really delight catching up with you and I wish you all the luck. I hope everything lines up for you to, you know, be able to compete next year and that the Olympics are able to go forward in 2021 and that we'll get a look forward to seeing you there.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I had an amazing time. I'm so happy you got to catch up and, you know, I'll be sure I'll be back around and, you know, yeah. whenever I'm in Seattle, first off is your office. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it would be great to see you again. And it was really fun right. just kind of touching base with you.
0: Of so, course. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. I appreciate it. Cool. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Holistic High Performance Podcast. You can find all the past episodes of the show by visiting holistichighperformance.com. Please subscribe to the show to listen to future episodes. We release new episodes every Monday and Thursday. This show would not be possible without the help of our team. We wish to thank our executive assistant, Harlow Brummett Dunn, our producer and chief technical officer, Dan Harmon of DH Productions, Our podcast mentor, Angel B. Hartwell, the host and executive producer of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast. Our theme music was composed and arranged by Luca Millard Kish. On behalf of the whole team, we wish to thank you, our listeners.